Pod, episode 40. I am in, well, I would say sunny San Francisco, but it has been dreary and rainy lately. (laughs) But welcome to one of my favorite cities in the world. And you guys know I'm a world traveler. And the coolest part about this podcast is the fact that we've been able to travel together from inception in New York 39 weeks ago um, through Japan through Australia, through LA. Uh, We've been to San Fran before. And where else did we go? Amsterdam, London, Paris, um, and Hawaii, LA, San Fran. And soon I'll be back in New York and then to Tokyo. So we have a lot to talk about. Today, um, since last week's topic was a little bit more on personal healing, today I thought it would be really fun to talk about something that Um, I know that I can share because it's part of my past and it can help all of us in our future because we pioneer this space together for women as we fight on together through this Me Too movement. And what I want to talk about is a seat at the table If you can't get a seat at the table in the boys club, then you make a seat for yourself at the table with the boys club. And there is a difference between taking a seat and making a seat. You know, now the best part about a lot of my meetings is there's always a female at the table. And when she's missing, it's almost a little bit weird, right? It's like the token woman is in the room. She's always smart as a whip and knows how to hold her own. The best part about making a seat now is that you make yourself a commodity. And for so long, my friend Meredith watched me struggle through all of my years in food. And she is a um, a high-end designer in fashion and was in New York. And now she's over in Hong Kong. And she is smart as fuck. And she would always say, you know, I've noticed that they never had you on their roster at Food Network but you made sure that they made a place for you on their roster at Food Network. And that was true. And that was by no other way other than myself working so hard to become a commodity that they couldn't deny me a space. And William Morris IMG, now Endeavor, uh, my agency for over, uh, we're going on almost a decade, has noted at meetings that they use me as an example And I may have said this before in a podcast, but I find it to be really unique because they have thousands of clients all over the world and everyone is arguably in the top 2% of their field. And they use me as an example as one of the only girls, if not clients in food that has a huge platform in media and gets branding deals and books and doesn't have her own TV show. Nobody ever gave me my own TV show, so I created a seat for myself at the table. So when I first got into television, um, I was was 23. The first season of Top Chef came out. There's a really unique story about how all that happened. Um, I was an intro to meets class in culinary school. I was 22. I was studying and I had a piece of paper I had grabbed off of the scrap desk at the library. And I grabbed it and I said, oh, I'm going to study on this paper. I went to take my intro to meets class. 
Um, we had a course that day, a uh, test, and I crumpled the piece of paper up when we were done with the test. And like we all did, it was all fucking memorization, right? So I was like, oh, I don't need this piece of paper anymore. So I crumpled it up and I turned it over and there was this Bravo logo on it. And it said from the producers at Project Runway comes Top Chef. And nobody knew what that was. It was nothing. It was brand new. It, it could have been, it could have turned into nothing. Like there are so many shows out there like pop stars or something that just like fall off the face of the earth after the first season. So something inside of me was like, that's weird. You know, I was in culinary school. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I was like talking to my friends and they were like, you better go to that audition and I went and I just talked to the casting directors and they thought it was so unique that I paid for culinary school on my own by modeling. So 5 a.m. up, 6 a.m. school, by noon out, working all day, back in, homework, um, after working. And then I would go to bed at 10 every night, like clockwork. And I continued to do so and I taught myself like the ropes on my own. And who knew that later on, a decade later plus, I would be... Um, conducting content, pioneering the wellness space and food for women. And I never wanted it to just be about food. I always kind of thought my whole thing was about a lifestyle and it naturally progressed and evolved in that direction. So today we're going to talk about making a seat in a boys club. And the one thing that everybody has to remember from the very beginning that you need if you want to make it is respect. If the boys don't respect you and your work and what you do, then you have nothing. And if you don't have that respect yet, then you have to earn it because that's something that is so valuable and important. When you walk into a room, when you talk, when you exude grace, when you are giving a presentation, when you are giving a speech, when you are at a speaking endeavor, or when you are on a panel, you will be lined up with boys in your space and they will either respect you or they will not. Even when I was a judge on Iron Chef America, I don't think I had the respect of everybody around me. That was apparent. And I had to create that respect and I had to earn that respect. So I wrote and 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 I spoke and I was a journalist and a writer. I was an editor. I was a columnist. I did everything behind the scenes. I learned how to direct, produce, write, and shoot. And I did it consistently over and over and over so that anytime some dumb ex-boyfriend would turn on the TV and see me on the Today Show smiling so bright and looking so sunny and beautiful, I'd be like, fuck you. Watch me. And that really did happen. <laughs> I would walk off a set and get messages that would be like, hello, Kumai. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what do you want? And they're like, I just saw this pretty girl on TV making a cake. <laughs> mm. Your catalysts will almost always keep you going, though. But remember... More importantly than anything else in the world, if you can't get yourself a seat at that table, then you make a seat for yourself at that table. Respect is the number one way that you're going to get that seat.
And remember, you have to earn respect. And the only way you can really do that is if you become a commodity. So number two is becoming a commodity that people cannot take their eyes off of, like the Maya Angelou quote that we constantly talk about. So I want to give you a really big example that's happening to me real time. I never thought this was going to happen, but the evolution is so proper. It's appropriate. The time is of the essence. And I say, if not now, when? Ask yourself that right now. If not now, when? Everything in life is about timing. I can't tell you how many boys I could have fallen in love with, but time was not in our favor. And sometimes you gracefully have to let go things that are simply not meant for you. And you know what? You can trust somewhere out there in the stars that if that person is meant for you, that they'll come back at the right time. In divine timing, everything always finds its way back to you. Please don't forget that. I can tell you that becoming a commodity in your space will create more opportunity for you to make that seat. When I wrote my most recent book, Kintsugi Wellness, and a lot of you guys ask how many books I've written. I've written six books, and they're all published by the big ten publishers. Hyperion, Rodale, Random House, HarperCollins, um, and we, we did a really nice job on all these books, but Kintsugi Wellness was like my standout. It was my homecoming, as my agent Andy McNichol said. It was my nod into a new space and journey of pioneering the wellness industry in a way and shape and form and a format that nobody else had done. It was taking a huge risk and the huge risk in shooting that book on my own with my own camera through Japan on several different trips and going completely broke in writing that book, having my heart smashed to pieces by some idiot and getting through that time and grieving my grandmother along the way and learning the deepest life lessons I've ever learned from my mother and father uh, through those who had survived the war, from the monks, from my great aunt Takuko Nechan, from green tea experts to my mentors in Okinawa, to all of my cousins that live throughout Tokyo in Japan. I learned from my grandmother's best friend uh, who is now hospitalized and uh, the picture of her in the book makes me happy because I can remember all of them in happy times. But what I did was I did stuff that wasn't popular and I did new things and I took risks and the risks paid off and made me a commodity. Most recent in the fall, I got to... um, interview a Nagasaki survivor, which you can hear the interview about Mr. Nishi in a former episode of Wabi Sabi. That trip was really cool. And I was so grateful that my friends Marcella and Daniel and Sandra all took me on this trip for a super documentary that's coming out in the next few years. But I learned the most on that trip was I learned about myself Not only did I come back from that trip and my agents at William Morris IMG set up a ton of IMG meetings, um, 
with ADK and NHK and all the big uh, companies in Japan that I needed to meet, I met up with, which were iconic Tokyo meetings I had never taken before in my life. You know, you're in a foreign country. You guys think that I'm so Japanese, but I'm very American to everyone else. <laughs> and uh, I walk into a room of Japanese businessmen and I make a seat for myself at the table. And they all look at me and thank goodness the token Japanese woman was in the room. <laughs> But they looked at me with kind eyes and kindness and I I was so excited to meet them. And I said, I'm so excited for this opportunity. Thank you. This is a huge turning point in my career. And they had looked at my book and they had said with grace and honor that they had recognized that my book Kintsugi Wellness made me more Japanese than they were. And I took that as a huge honor They didn't know my grandfather had collections at the Tokyo Metropolitan Museum of Art. They didn't know that my aunt had collections at the MoMA. They didn't know that my father served in the military in Japan, and that's how he met my mother, who was studying to be a school teacher there. I mean, the connections are very real, and they're deep. And if it wasn't for myself going deeper and vaster and becoming a bit more serious about my career and taking it way more serious than on Instagram... um, I made myself a commodity and I made myself a seat at that table. The space for a woman to sit at a table full of boys is available to you at any time. But you will know exactly when in divine timing that you are supposed to take that seat. I will never forget that day that I had a meeting with them. Nothing was perfect on that trip either, wabi-sabi. I went back to my hotel room and one of the following mornings I would always study and write and as you know I would record podcasts from wherever I was and I had seen pictures of all of my best friends together from college at a wedding that I was completely ostracized from and I wrote to two of my best friends and I said hey I just want you to know that I saw these pics and they really tremendously at the bottom of my heart they hurt me. And I didn't know what I had done to deserve to be cut out of a friend group. But I just always knew, and I wasn't, I just in one person's eyes was. And the rest of the group is still very welcoming and loving. But it hurt so bad that I, you know, a million miles away, I just wanted to communicate to them because I didn't have any contact with what was going on other than work in Japan, that that hurt. And then I had remembered the commodity that I had become and the woman that was sitting at the table full of NHK news execs at the largest news corporation in Japan, sitting in the middle of Tokyo City, the epicenter of future and the future of media. And I had remembered the opportunity that they had presented to me and saying, you're more Japanese than we are and we want to work with you. And then I had remembered that all that petty bullshit didn't really matter at the end of the day. And that I too struggle every day with dumb, dumb shit. Like dumb girl stuff. Like I I just have to work through it, right? I have to take the high road. I'm not going to drink and smoke a ton of weed and do drugs and party and try to do all these destructive things to numb the fuck out. I'm going to handle my shit like a true girl would. And I'm going to make myself a seat at that table. 
So what happened was months after negotiations and being very graceful and poised and following up and sending thank you letters, the Japanese people came back around and they said, we want to make you an offer. And here we are six months later and I'm writing a show for NHK and NHK World. And that is not a normal process. NHK is the equivalent of PBS and CNN in the U.S. Uh, It's a public broadcast company like a CNN and it's for the people. And NHK World goes out distributed across the world. And it's my honor and privilege to share with you bigger and better things as a grown woman who was once a petty girl that would cry over dramatic things that she saw but realized that she had a seat at the table and that making that seat at the table was what she had worked for her entire life and all that other petty stuff would fall to the wayside and she would soon be teleported over to Japan by flight, not really teleported, but you know what I mean. And she would soon be shooting with her favorite colleagues in the U.S., with her agents and her lawyers right beside her watching her every move and saying, are you sure you want to do this? Candace, do you know what you're doing? Candace, but you have put together a line sheet and a budget and you have to get your production going. You're going to do this by yourself? I mean, I heard everything. You know what I said? I said, you know what? You give me a budget and a deadline and I will fucking hit it and I will make it better and juicier and more emotionally evoking and meaningful than anybody else could ever make. Because now we're talking about not only did I make a seat for myself at the table, but I had become a commodity that was respected by Japanese businessmen, which is to me the epitome of, oh my God, you better make this fucking good. (laughs) The boys have to know a few things about you. They have to know that you're smarter than them and that you're more serious than they are because that's the way that they're going to know that you will execute your word and your work with grace and grit and honor and a privilege. Giving work, sharing in media with others on a platform is an honor and a privilege. And if you have an audience, much like you, that listens every week, I honor and I thank you. Don't forget to be very honest when you are sitting at the table. Everything that you say you should mean, everything that you do should be sincere, and everything that you put out there should be honest. Please don't forget that con artists do not make their way far And if you are dishonest, especially as a woman, you will be so called out. Give people your best and always, as we say in Japan, do your very best and be honest. The two last things I want you to remember are to honor yourself and to honor other women. If you want to make a seat at the table for yourself, you make that and you also keep in mind there are other women that you can make a seat for at the table. You can pay it forward. You can give them your best. You can continue to shine your bright light because when you do so, as Marianne Williamson says, you will automatically liberate others to shine with you. Do not be afraid of what you know in your heart is your calling. I could sit at home and I could pout and cry 
I could move back to LA and live in the comforts of a car and an apartment at the beach and my surfboards all around me and smoke weed all night, find 10 hot surfer guys out in the water, but I am not going to do that anymore because I have a seat at the table. And when you are called to do something and you are given the honor to move forward and change this game, doesn't mean you don't have the lipstick and the heels and the leather skirt still. It just means that you have to take your life a little bit more serious and know that nothing will be easy, nor will it be perfect. Wabi sabi. I'm going to keep this week's pod really short for you because I want you to do a lot of thinking and writing. And I want you to write out how are you going to make your seat at the table? How are you going to earn their respect? How are you going to become a commodity? How will they know that you're smarter and more serious about this than they are? How will you be honest? And lastly, how will you honor yourself and honor other women? The easiest way you can do the honoring part is to be good to yourself and respect yourself, love yourself, and do the same for other women and supporting them. Now, I know I say this a lot on the pod, but men have seen their heyday over and over and over and over. I commend women that are out there killing it. So go support Ariana Huffington. Go support Sophia Amoruso. Go support Melise and Alexia at Well and Good. Go support my girls at Cosmo. And go support my girls at Women's Health. And go support my girls at Shape. And go support women at E! News and NBC and all these amazing outlets that I work with. They're incredible. And I read friends' books all the time, like Elisa Vitti's books. I've been reading um, books like by Catherine Woodward Thomas. I know this sounds so great, but I've been learning more about finance through Susie Orman's books. She is awesome. Get the money book for the young, fabulous, and broke. It is so juicy. I support my friend Michelle Halpern on her writing and her move. I support my friend Stephanie when she's about to have her second baby soon, close to her birthday next week. I support my friend Christina with her third baby in her amazing career that she has in LA and she keeps going. And I support all the women around me that are constantly on my team rooting for me. Cecilia, Morgan, Ray, Zoe, uh, Jacqueline. Um, you guys are amazing. Mom, you don't listen to this podcast, but you're an amazing catalyst. <laughs> Earlier we were chatting about how women really do have to be careful. And like she said, She's like, you know, women and men did the same thing with Martha. And Martha was the only one who went to jail. And the rest of the men, they got away. So don't forget that you're being watched a little bit harder because you're a woman. And people are going to think there's something wrong with you if you're really good at your job. <laughs> Which is, you know, that's just such a stigma. Like you can be a really beautiful girl. And you can love your baths and... Epsom salt baths and and leather or I was gonna say leather skirts, high heels, lipstick, which I love, and your Epsom salt baths, your yoga pants and your Ayurveda, your meditation, and at the same time, like going on a weekend bender with a hot guy, none of them are mutually exclusive. The main thing is, is you know what? The more real you are, the more honest, the more respect that you have. The more of a commodity you are, 
people will make a seat for you at the fucking table. And you know what men will start to do? They might actually pull out your chair for you. They might actually hold the door open for you. And of course, they're going to take a double look at you when you walk in and when you leave. And that's okay. They can totally look. I still love being hot. So (laughs) anyways, I'm not going to take any questions this week because all I want you to do is I want you to write down all those things. How are you going to make that seat for yourself? What's your biggest dream? What is the overarching goal in the end? How are you going to make that seat for yourself? I know you can do this because you've got it. I also want to thank you guys for all of your five-star reviews. I read them all. Please write yours and subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. I'm looking forward to your juicy five-star, very exclusive review. Um, I also want to make sure you bought something on the matcha shop to to really support this podcast. If you really believe in me, then you'll show me and you won't tell me and you will buy something and keep supporting women in commerce because my team... Britt and Morgan and Zoe and even Chris, one boy on our team. You guys are doing well and killing it. Oh, and Marcella too. How can I forget you? Um, I also want to make sure that you guys are checking out my website with all my recipes at CandiceKumai.com. You'll find miso and matcha galore. And you'll also find a lot of free tips and tricks on how to stay really smart and fun and cool forever. You know, life is never going to be perfect, which is why we started the first Wabi Sabi podcast ever. Um, It's a chapter in my book, Kintsugi Wellness, that was all about healing and becoming a better person. And it wasn't anything that I really rewrote. I wasn't recreating the wheel. I was simply reiterating and reporting on what my ancestors had taught me. So if you really want to learn how to be a better girl, you can check out Kintsugi Wellness Don't wait for them to make a seat for you. Don't wait for them to pull out your chair. Don't wait for the boys to take over and to keep going and to one-up you. You make yourself a commodity and you make a seat for yourself at the table. Remember, they didn't hand me a show. I created a show. It would not get picked up by an American network or an American director But it would start with a different perspective on the other side of the world. And with Japanese men of all people saying, we're going to give you the opportunity to have your own show. That was my tipping point. It wasn't expected. It wasn't the way I thought it was going to be. My hands on my heart. (sighs) Everything is perfectly imperfect. And I'm grateful with the gratitude and the depth that is wide as the ocean and as deep as the sea to thank you guys for giving me this off to speak. And I really fucking mean it. Um, Thank you for being here with me and for listening every week. I love you guys. And I'm in the middle of launching a charity and products for the charity. Check out globalgirlsglow.org. And I'm also producing, directing, writing, and shooting this show out in Japan. And I'm shooting with Belvedere, yay, again in New York. And um, I have a lot of surprises that are going to come out in the next few weeks and giveaways. So please share this episode called Make a Seat, episode 40, 
on Instagram stories and show me how artistic and beautiful you really are. I'm so excited for some upcoming giveaways with Vitamix. Um, we also might have some from Rock and Oil and other beauty brands that are my favorites coming up. And send me a little love letter. I love you girls so much. And don't forget, you can always ask me questions on my comments and send me what you love about this podcast on my Instagram. Okay. So my favorite quote by Elizabeth Taylor, as a woman, you can totally relate to this. Pour yourself a drink, put on some lipstick, and pull yourself together. Get it, girl. Love you lots. And I was just about to say, talk to you soon. (laughs) Ciao.